0: would like to welcome our esteemed co-hosts the bradley and the burke gentlemen how the hell are we doing tonight
1: doing good dude we are doing good it has been too long i've been listening to all the guests you got on it's been absolutely killer content happy to be back can't wait to dig in man
2: yeah i will i will ditto that i'll ditto that i'm super excited i got a little worried uh because i got to my folks house today for a little bit of vacation and found out That they gave up their internet and I was freaking the fuck out thinking I wasn't going to be able to get on and pod with y'all tonight trying to figure out some stuff but we got it worked through I'm drinking a three Floyd's beer I'm only about 25 30 minutes away from Berkey here so I'm hoping to get together with him in the next couple days
1: so pretty excited yeah were you doing the fresh prints over there sometimes parents just don't understand (laughs) yeah that was, that was a roll. Drum roll, man. Where's my drum like roll? Uh,
0: just for the, the those that, since you guys can't watch this, Bradley's literally standing up and dancing as he's talking in his parents' garage. So if you can just resonate that picture, that's what's coming out of Bradley's mouth the entire night. Uh, I am drinking bourbon and you guys are drinking beer, which is ass backwards for us usually. So let's segue straight into our question of the show. Gentlemen, I want you to tell me what is the most memorable job you had as a young adult growing up.
1: I think I've told a story about somewhere where I used to work every time we've got together. I just told a story about working in a sandwich shop five minutes ago. But my most memorable as a kid was my first, and I was I picked strawberries in a field at Mandigo Farms. God rest, El Mandigo. It was awesome. And then I got upgraded to work in the shack and sell them by the flat on the side of a road in Paw Paw, Michigan for seven bucks an hour under the table because I was the only one that spoke English. So I got the, hey, 16-year-old, I need you to go sit in that shack all day smelling like strawberries Well, old people and pretty girls come up and pick them in this field. Uh, I'll give you a raise. It was the best. Just hanging out in the field. I wish I had like a fantasy football pod to do then. Like, I wish I could do that job now because I just had so much time. I'd just be reading, hanging out, texting my buddies. It always smelled awesome because you're in a strawberry shed, and it it was the best.
2: Oh man, so so my two first jobs sucked. I mean, I worked at a at a restaurant cleaning dishes, and I worked at a gas station uh, as a as a front desk clerk. So I, so I'm gonna go with like the the uh, what do you want to call it? Like the Euchre card. Uh, the wild card. I'm going to go with my first real job as an adult uh, on a submarine under the fucking water because it's just badass to think about, right? Uh, I kind of miss it, uh, but I got to, you know, float several hundred feet under, well, not float. I guess I was under the water several hundred feet uh, getting to just hang out with 134 other cool fucking dudes uh, and have the time of my life see the world, uh get to drink and, and enjoy myself and not really have a care in the world about it. Uh and also got to do some cool shit for, for the country we live in. So it was it was pretty cool opportunity. Uh but that I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that that wild card.
1: Hey, Bradley, I got to go second dude.
0: Yeah no kidding. Bradley's as <laughs> as much as I want to rouse you for what you just said there, I, I I can't because being a veteran is a pretty really cool fucking thing and we do appreciate your service for our country no matter how thick-headed you may be at times. See, I snuck it in there. At I'm gonna, times? I'm, at I times, snuck it in there. Always. <laughs> uh, I, I was being nice, but I'm glad you opened the door. So ladies and gentlemen, what we have in store for you today is we went and we found ourselves a mock draft, which is way harder than it seems to be. We were looking for a three-round mock draft. Luckily, WalterFootball.com has a six-round mock draft that was updated on the March 7th. Now, This was the only mock draft we could find that took into account the trade that the Panthers did to get Sam Darnold so they're no longer getting a quarterback. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through our tiers. We're going to go and talk about our our rookies, and we're going to see where these landing spots would move them up, move them down, if we like them, if we love them, or if we want to go and punch whoever made these mockers in the face and yell at them for choosing the destinations that they chose. So to start us off, Let's start with quarterbacks. What do you gentlemen think? Start quarterbacks?
1: Let's do it. All right.
0: All right. So Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars, initial reactions. Is anyone surprised?
1: Shocked. Uh, I definitely would have gone with a cornerback or perhaps a punter. I believe there was a punter selected in front of Russell Wilson. And so I would just continue the, the trend here. And I would definitely go with a non-skilled position.
2: Yeah, is Sebastian Janikowski in this draft?
1: Well, He's a first-round
2: kicker, right?
1: According to Berkey,
0: he's at that age where he can go and recycle himself back into college like Tom Brady and come back and declare again.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: so, I mean, we're not moving Lawrence down, and we can't move him any further as our top quarterback. So uh, do you guys want to touch at all how you feel about this, this landing spot for him?
1: No, it's fantastic. I don't know that we need to. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic. Right arm, He's got right? weapons. Everybody's bought into him. He's yeah. the first overall pick. He's got the the best chance to be successful in the NFL. Absolutely.
0: Next quarterback off the board is going to, or our next quarterback off the board is going to be Zach Wilson at the Jets at two. He is currently our quarterback four. So, gentlemen, are we moving Zach Wilson up from four with this news? Or are we comfortable having him at four?
2: I'm still comfortable with it. Um, You know, I I personally have him a little bit higher, uh, but I think four is a good spot for him. Uh, You know, one, he's going into a a unique situation where, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of talent around him at all. A rookie head coach uh, and i mean you you saw him in college you saw what he could do this year but you saw some some negatives too that you wonder how it's going to translate so so i'm i'm pretty comfortable with him sticking around at four uh with this landing spot that we all kind of assumed and and have heard over the course of the the last few weeks
1: so i personally am coming around on uh, mr wilson okay And it's scaring myself because the upside's not there. And then I'm trying to figure out where the other people are going. You know what the biggest thing was that Darnold went to Carolina and it, I was just like, dude, I'm going to get fields or Lance or someone in Carolina as my third quarterback, right? I'm going to go Lawrence. I'm going to go fields for the upside. I think he'll go hopefully in the top three. And then I'm going to go with whoever goes to Carolina as my third. And I thought that would be Trey Lance. And so in this mock, I think I'm going to bump him up to three. Just okay. I, I mean, I've come around on him little by little. It's like the I was such a big Mac Jones fan. And now that everybody's caught up, I can't get him where I thought I was gonna get him in rookie draft. I can't get him with the 112. I can't get him with the second. And so now it's the moment of truth. It's like when you're on the clock at the seven pick and you need a quarterback and Zach Wilson is sitting right there. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger. So I'm coming around a little bit. I I think running with
0: these landing spots given, like you said, he's he's going to start week one. And, like, that inherently has fantasy value, whether you think he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback or not. I mean, even Daniel Jones, even Dwayne Haskins, let's let's say Dwayne Haskins, they, he gave you serviceable weeks. Not a lot of them, and it hurt rostering him, but he was a serviceable quarterback for you. And I'm not saying that Zach Wilson has that for. I think Zach Wilson, he is a very – Volatile player, and people finally start to are fi- starting to come back around on his his downside that is accompanying his upside, and uh, I think moving him to three at this spot's the right process move simply because the player that we have at three landed a spot that doesn't necessarily grant him immediate starting volume, and he's another player that is going to need a little more work. But before we get to that, let's talk about Justin Fields. Justin Fields goes to San Francisco at three where let's be honest. He's the, who he's probably going to be going to San Francisco can't trade up all of that work just to get Mac Jones, where they probably could have gotten him at 12. So does this landing spot in San Francisco move Justin Fields up enough to where you're thinking that you may take him over Trevor Lawrence or is, or you still think he's still well behind Trevor Lawrence?
1: I I got him. I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. I got him behind Trevor. I have everybody behind Trevor. I've had everybody for the last several years behind Trevor. The only guy that I would debate would be uh, Mr. Kyler Murray Uh, Fields in San Francisco though. Definitely is something I want a piece of. If you can't get a guy in Carolina, the fact that Kyle Shanahan is the one that sold the house to come up and get somebody in a friendly offense, simply because he's going to put you in a position to succeed. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, he will make the offense work. All right. Nick Mullins, had serviceable weeks for me the fact that you say Dwayne uh, Haskins it frustrates me because he was a pick 10 he went to the Washington dumpster fires out there and this guy's pick two man and the Jets have a new regime like he's not gonna fall on his face if you're gonna talk about somebody that had a terrible career let's talk about Darnold who just left there uh, and that's another reason why he's interesting is because you he's going to start week one they don't have another guy Jimmy Garoppolo, there is a universe where Jimmy Garoppolo will lead San Francisco to the Super Bowl again. And then what do you do with fields? So no one is touching Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. Uh, It's really not a conversation. But when you talk about upside with the speed and athleticism and that cannon, he has for an arm and the coach. Yes, it is very enticing. Yeah, I
2: mean, there's no way he's, yeah, there's no way he's, leapfrogging Trevor Lawrence. But for me, this solidifies him at the number, the number two position because he's going to an offense that's already solid. He's going to a team with an excellent head coach. Um, so I, I love the landing spot for him, even if it's a situation where, like Berkey said, maybe they roll with Jimmy G because he took them to a Super Bowl. He took him to an excellent season. And then he had some injury concerns last year. So maybe they let Justin Fields sit, play Jimmy Garoppolo this year, eat up some of that contract, and then make the move to Justin Fields next year. That just makes him more appealing to me because he had the opportunity to learn a little bit before he steps onto the field. You don't, you might not have to deal with as many bumps and bruises with him. So uh for I I love the landing spot for Justin Fields to be able to learn or even potentially take the starting job and in, in camp even.
0: That's very well said. And moving on to our quarterback number three, Denver moves up to the number nine spot to select Trey Lance out of North Dakota State University. So this is where I think things get kind of fun because you, we've got Lance ahead of Wilson right now, but it, it seems like moving Lance behind Wilson would make the most sense here simply because more likely than not, Lance is probably going to sit a little bit behind Mock until, you know, week six to ten, that golden window for quarterbacks to kind of step in. So do you think that Lance's upside is big enough that he warrants drafting in front of Wilson, excuse me, in front of Zach Wilson to and then losing, you know, six to ten weeks of uh, fantasy football production? Do you think that Lance's upside's worth that?
2: It's there. The upside is real. Um, My worry is just Denver's track record with drafting quarterbacks. It has not been good. You know, they've got Tim Tebow. They've got Brock Osweiler. They've got Drew Locke. They bring in Joe Flacco. They, They do all of these things, and nothing is working out for them. Their quarterback evaluations are pitiful. It is awful. Um, One of my biggest knocks on Trey Lance is his one year of production, 2,800 yards. Granted, he had 42 total touchdowns. um, He did all of those things. It just doesn't scream to me excellence, right? So I want to see him in a situation where they can coach him up. I'm not confident that he's going to get coached up in Denver right now. Um, So that's my big concern with Trey Lance landing in Denver.
1: Yeah, I just want to – I just ditto, like you did. It's a ditto. Trey Lance's upside is huge. And when I'm sitting here as an analyst or somebody going through a mock, I'm going to take him every time. If I have a solid team where I don't need any, I'm going to take him every time. I'm going to shoot for the moon. I'm going to try and get – I don't want QB 12 through 20. I want 1 through 10. I want one through five. And if I have a shot of getting that, even if it's a year here and a year there and the rest are kind of in between, um, I'm going to take my shot at it. And I don't think that Fields, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't think that Wilson is necessarily going to do that out there in the Jets. But We're talking about Denver. Dude, I want on a rant with Bradley in in particular, where I was just, I think it was both of you. I think I was watching Oakland play Denver and I was just yelling at the TV because of all the things Drew Locke was doing wrong. And it wasn't that I was yelling at Locke, I was yelling at the coaches because nobody's telling him anything. And he's not doing things wrong, like reading the defense or selling it or telegraphing. He's doing all that too. It's his feet. It's his throwing motion. It's his progressions. It's, it's what he, like, what you're literally doing when you're the focal point was horrible. I don't think they have any chance to develop him. Uh, they do have weapons out there in Denver, which I think will inflate his draft position. And again, if I'm on the, I have a team where I just have two a quarterback. I've sold out. I bought it. And I have the fifth and seventh pick. And if I think I can get, you know, Wilson and Lance, I'm looking at both of them at the seven and I can't get another one period. I am going to go Wilson today. I am going to do that. And it's not so much missing a couple games. I'll just deal with it. Okay. Cause I want the upside for a career. And I think Lance is special. I think he's really special, but in Denver, I think they're going to ruin him. So I don't want a piece. That's
0: sad. And true and that's just because I'm a Denver fan that's I, my glimmer of hope is that John Elway is now no longer the GM he elevated himself beyond that so his drunk ass is no longer going to be ruining that franchise so that is what I'm holding on to as my hope my beacon of light as a Denver Broncos fan <clears throat> but let's move on and this one was uh, was a bit surprising the Chicago Bears were able to snag a Mac Jones at pick 20. How do we feel about that? Do we like that spot for him? Hey, struggle man.
2: with it. Yeah. I, sh- I struggle with it. I, it's, it's, you know, we had a, a Twitter thread going uh, maybe last week with McLovin, uh, specifically around drafting quarterbacks who we think are going to sit. And where that where that means they fall in a rookie draft, where you're willing to take them and let them sit on your taxi squad for a year or two, where would you draft a Jordan Love type quarterback? That type of situation. Now, I think there is a much higher likelihood uh, that Mac Jones starts for the Bears in some capacity this season than Jordan Love and and his situation last year with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, but it's similar, right? They just they just paid Andy Dalton on a free agent contract. They've come out now. Granted, you got to kind of take things that teams say with the grain of salt. They've already come out and said he is our starting quarterback this year, right? So if you make that assumption, what are you willing to give the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this draft? Where are you willing to take them? To me, it drops him a little bit, right? Berkey talked about trying to get him at 201, right? That being – that being not the case. Well, now you could get him at, you know, if he goes to the Bears, you could probably get him. He's going to be there at 201. Berkey, would you take him at 201 at chi- in Chicago?
1: Yeah, I literally will. Absolutely. I have the 201 in a couple of leagues and I'm dying for him to the fall there. And I understand it doesn't fit my team needs. Um, Andy Dalton is a very good bridge quarterback. He is very solid. The weapons, they are not great. The coaching staff sucks. We're talking about a quarterback. In it with first-round draft capital, with 4,500 yards, a huge completion percentage, a brilliant mind on a team that he can take. So it's not ideal. I struggle with it, too. I think Nagy's out. I think he's fired. We're going to get a new regime. We'll see what they think about him. They have to commit to him, too. I'm a believer in Mac Jones, man. And so... I'm trying to read at the same time as speaking. It turns out it's not my strong suit. All right. <laughs> so Bradley, I'm, I'm just saying it's like the Bears suck. Right. But where do you want him to go? I don't think he falls past 19. I think he's going to go to Washington if he goes there. Maybe New England trades up to 15 to get him. And any of these positions, I don't love any of these teams. If I have to pick one, it's Washington. I like the coach better. I like the weapons better. Um, but the Bears, is it could be worse, man. It could be worse. Absolutely. So
0: <clears throat> to round out our rankings, if these are real life uh, drafting spots, it'd be number one, Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two, Justin Fields to San Francisco. Number three, Trevor Lawrence, Oh my God. Zach Wilson to the jets. Number four, Trey Lance to Denver and number five, Mac Jones to the bears. Moving along to our running backs section. Surprisingly, no running backs go in the first round. Uh, There's been a bit of buzz about the likelihood or the possibility that Travis Etienne or Najee Najee Harris find their way into the first 32 picks. Instead, what happens is the second pick of the second round, the New York Jets select Najee Harris. Bradley, initial reactions if that's his landing spot.
2: I I love it. He's going to get a bell cow work he's going to get the opportunity to catch the ball he's going to get the opportunity to run the ball um, so that opportunity is going to be there the concern is going to be the scoring is the touchdown upside going to be there for Najee Harris this year and in future years it kind of depends on what your trust is in the coaching staff and the rookie quarterback that they drafted at 102 and Zach Wilson So if you believe that those two things can come together and they can formulate a pretty solid offense, then absolutely that upside is going to be there for Najee Harris. But I worry long term that that organization will continue to kind of churn and and do what they do, similar to what the Browns have done other than this year for the past 20 years. You know, and they're just going to destroy what talent does come in. So I do have a little bit of concern there around longevity, but from an opportunity standpoint, you can't beat that landing spot because there's what are they going to do? Put Lamichael P Ryan in there instead of him? Absolutely not, right? It's it's not happened. Tevin, what was it? Te- didn't they sign Tevin Coleman, right? Do we think Tevin Coleman's taking work from from Najee Harris? Absolutely fucking not, right? So the opportunity is there to get that James Robinson type workload that we saw last year, that 80% opportunity share 80% plus. So I love the landing spot for Najee.
1: Uh, I can't stand it because I know the next two landing spots for the next two people. So he fall to three for me, man, those jets out there, dude, they have one offensive lineman who's worth a damn. Okay. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. He could be the best friend. He could be a double-edged sword. They got a new staff. They want to be def- defensive minded. The, Thing you're betting on here is this Naze Harris being a physical monster in you know receiving game as well as rushing between the tackles and outside. I, they're going to try and bring a outside zone scheme, so they're going to try and do it. They're going to try and pull the guards. It takes a lot to teach these young men or your vets how to run this scheme. It's going to take a year or two. I, I personally don't think they draft a running back, uh, them in Jacksonville, I think, are just going to ride it out and see what's up next season so that they can get a guy that's ready to come in with an offensive line that's ready to produce for them. But to your point, the opportunity, there is no one in his way. Will they use P. Ryan? Yes. Will they use Ty Johnson? Yes. Will they use Coleman? Yes. Will it matter? No. Because this man's going to score the touchdowns. He's going to get plenty of work. And you talk about that James robinson s thing. He won't get the same percentages, the 94, 99 percentages. Uh, but it will be overwhelming. And, yeah, I believe in the guy. I think he's going to produce. So. I, I don't love it, but I you know was he third now?
0: Yeah, well, well we'll we'll decide in a second. But I'm glad you brought up the outside zones, the outside zone scheme because you, you need to be a fast player to be successful in that scheme. And and by all accounts, Najee Harris isn't elite fast, right? He's a four five five fast. He's a four five eight fast. He's not a Travis Etienne four four one fast. So that's my biggest concern. But I do think that Najee Harris has the talent to kind of rise above that current predicament in that situation. That's not something that's going to necessarily knock him down past maybe one for me. Uh, not something that's going to make me super iffy for the most part. And also LaFleur had had Henry and he was willing to adjust the personnel. So it's important. It's hopeful that Robert Salah was able to suction enough information out of the Shanahan god that is currently in the NFL to recognize when he has a good thing and not try to jam a circle peg into a, a square hole.
1: Yeah, now we get to see if Mike LaFleur is who we think he is, right? Because there have been so many coaches that get hired out of this. I mean, his brother, Matt, out there in Green Bay, I think he's dookie. Because he had Shanahan and then he had McVay and then he gets out there and he does nothing but win. So now we get to see is Mike the real deal. So if they adjust, hell, man, Najee can have a hell of a season.
0: Next up is going to be the very next pick. Travis Etienne finds his home down in Miami. Is this enough Berkey to elevate Travis Etienne to the number one overall spot for him?
1: Yeah, I have him at one, and I love having him at one, and I I don't know why i change it. Miami, dude, swap these spots, and then we'd have a conversation about one and two. Miami wants to give every touch to one guy. Miles Gassman, uh, the gas can. I call him Ahmed. Apparently it's Ahmed uh, Salvin out there. I mean, these guys are no names that absolutely produce in a very real way. I love him in Miami. I love it. I think he's going to just take off. You got those RPOs out of Tua who likes to dump it out. You got the swing passes. You got his ability to break a play open. And you have all of the touches. Yeah, he's a surefire one for me in Miami.
2: Yeah, I, I worry just a little bit around that Miami landing spot and whether or not they are actually going to give him the workload, right? New York, Najee Harris is getting the workload are we confident that Miami doesn't see value in providing Miles Gaskin some work because he produced when on the field. And I believe uh, that Brian Flores is going to continue to give a player who produced, given an opportunity, some opportunity. Now I don't think he's going to keep Travis Etienne on the bench by any shape of the imagination, but I could see that, breakdown being more 60-40 than 80-20 Najee Harris and, and the rest of the New York Jets. So I I, I worry just a little bit about that, but I, I mean, for me, I've got him at two. So it, I I'm, mean, I'm to- not moving him, uh, but that, that's where I'm at. There is, there is a, a slight amount of concern with that. So I'm going to
0: have to disagree with you there, Bradley. I, I think if you're willing to spend a second round draft capital into a running back, and there's no way in hell you're going to seed touches to your seventh round drafted wide receiver or running back in Gaskins or undrafted running back in Ahmed just because they produced last season. I think I, I see what you're saying. I think the worries. It, it, it's it's a fun conversation, but I think in actuality, I just don't think it's something that we're ever going to see manifest itself on the field. Uh, For me, I think this would be enough to bump up Travis Etienne into the running back one threshold for me.
1: Yeah, now we did see Jonathan Taylor loses touches to some guy named Wilkins. And we did see Dobbins lose touches to Gus Edwards. So he's not completely wrong. But when I see the Kyle Shanahan system, a Mike LaFleur system, they rotate a whole bunch of people in. Nobody's getting more than 70% of the work. It's not going to happen. And when I see Miami last year, somebody's going to get 90% today, whoever's healthy.
2: See, I don't know that that's a case because if you go and look, the most that anybody got last year was in the upper sixties, low seventies. So, so that's sixty snaps, not of running back
1: work, of snaps, not of right of snaps. Look at the running back work. Who gets the ball when they're on the field? And it's one dude.
2: Yep, he's definitely the hands down the most dynamic back on that team. Immediately, right? I'm not saying that. I just wonder how that breakdown is going to look a little bit. So
0: So let's move along so we can kind of break down this top tier for us. Javante Williams finds himself as a San Diego Charger running alongside Austin Eckler in a brand-new coaching scheme with a brand-new revamped offense and coaching personnel. Is this not the perfect landing spot for Javante Williams? Is this not like what we dream of? Bradley, you must be insanely hyped about this.
2: I fucking hate it. I hate it. <laughs> what? I want him.
0: What are you doing?
2: I, so here's how much I believe in Javon, and this is my problem. I believe so much in Javante Williams. I need him and want him to go to a place like the New York Jets, where there's unquestion. It is. It's not even a question. This guy's getting. Every fucking snap possible until he needs a drink of water or to take a piss. And then he comes back on the field. That is not happening in Ellet. Austin Eckler is dynamic. He is going to be the pass catcher. That's going to severely limit in PPR leagues, Javonta Williams' is upside. That worries me. I love the skill set. He can be a pass catcher. But he's not going to get that role in L.A. And I I hate it. I absolutely hate it because he has the all-around skill set to be the best running back in this class. And this landing spot worries me for that. So do I move him? No, I'm not going to because he still has the rushing upside, the touchdown upside, the red zone chances, uh, and he's going to be that that primary running back. But I want him to get that passing work, and I don't see him getting it.
1: Yeah, I'm on the other side of the coin here because I think that there's no way he was going to be the number one running back in fantasy. So you're hoping between five and ten. So Oh, it's just awesome. It's awesome. I mean, there can only be five guys right there. there are going to be ten guys in the top ten. It's unbelievable. At uh, first year, maybe not. But going to the Chargers, we saw Kalen Balaj. He, he has a job today. You believe that? He has a job. Why does he have a job? Because Anthony Lynn put him on the field and the Chargers with that old line that's just piecemeal together got it done. Austin Eckler is a scatback, one I love, what I am very invested in as far as dynasty. And I will draft next year as long as they don't draft a guy like Javante Williams. I mean, he can be Melvin Gordon and he could just take and be RB five, six, seven, eight year in, year out. Tons of touchdown connected with Herbert connected with Eckler to spell him and do it well. Cause when you have a spell guy that doesn't actually move the chains, they can just stall you out. You get six yards, you get seven yards, you get six yards. They bring you out, they go bank blank. And then you have to punt cause you had to take a second. So I, this is ideal. Cause I don't think he's a workhorse in the, in the Ezekiel Elliott kind of workhorse. I think he's more of a, uh, grind it out, beat the crap out of him kind of guy. And uh, if you're, and he doesn't have the breakaway speed. So if you're looking at an Adrian Peterson that's not fast enough, he's going to need someone else to carry the load between the 20s and get him into that red zone where he can get the job done. So the Chargers, as much as I don't like Javante, he jumps Harris for me in this mock because the Chargers' landing spot in that offense. Dude, dude, I, I want a piece.
0: I agree. I, I I'm right there with you. And I, I'm probably the lowest out of three of us on Javante Williams as a prospect without a landing spot. I think he profiles closer to David Montgomery as which is a which is a great running back, but he's not a running back one forever. He had one great season, he had one great last six weeks, landed him a top 12 running back. I'd be willing to wager that he's going to finish his career on average closer to 24, then he's going to finish closer to 12 as a running back. And that's fine. So if we're able to take that lightning in a bottle and then literally just copy and paste what he was able to do in college and paste into the NFL with someone who's a Michael Carter on steroids, it it doesn't make sense to not just absolutely love it, especially when you have Justin Herbert stretching the field. Like that is – I would be so thrilled for this class if we're able to see Javante Williams and Travis Etienne both landing great spots because it we need this. We need this. Bradley, I see yourself doing some weird like yoga over there. I, I see yourself <laughs> holding yourself back. Let it go, brother. Let it go.
2: Yeah, just one last thing, and this isn't uh, to argue for Javante. Just realize, right? All a lot of the arguments you guys are talking about are based on a uh, coaching staff that included Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn is no longer on that coaching staff. It is brand new. So what do you believe in Mike Lombardi because he's going to be the one calling the place, right? Do you see what he did in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray? So that's the issue I see. I see Javonta Williams filling that Latavius Murray role. That's not going to give you RB1 production. That's my I mean, concern. It so did, not Anthony
1: in a couple of weeks, but you understand right. that Alvin Kamara and Eckler. Eckler is Alvin Kamara light or whatever. It's not the same. And so if you gave, if you split that workload down the middle, you got two top 15 guys. You got two RB15 guys. So you just need Eckler, who is not a large man, to get an injury from here or there. And it can blow him up in the rankings as an overall. On a week to week, I give it to you, though, because you don't get all. Of the workload.
0: I think, Bradley, if Javonta goes to the Chargers in the third round, then we have a real conversation about that happening. But to invest that capital at that spot, where they're at, and to say, I want to take this guy, it, it doesn't make sense from a logistics standpoint to say, well, we just wasted our 34th pick overall, go take 25% of the snaps. You know what I'm saying? Well, so like, It I, also I,
2: doesn't make sense for the Chargers to draft a running back.
0: I disagree. Does. I disagree. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of nah, sense. We don't agree on
1: anything. You're over <laughs> there draw, in your the own Jesus. So let's let's
0: let's break down this next tier real quickly. So I think what we have is Etn Javante and Harris as our as our uh, top tier rates right now. Would you guys say that's pretty accurate?
1: Yeah, I'd say they are the guys that you actually want to draft. And then throughout the rest of the running back position, we're looking for that guy that's going to pop, right? We're not looking for a guy that's going to secure an RB2 role on our team for years to come. We're looking for a pop.
0: Moving on to our next podcast or our next segment. Let's talk about our next tier. We're going to run through these guys a little quicker because we value your time. So Berkey, when you see Kenny Gainwell, Picked in the second round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. How are you feeling about that?
1: Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. I can't even. I can't even tell you. Let me tell you the positives. Um, we're talking about a short passing game. We're talking about the ball coming out in a couple seconds. He runs those short rounds. He is an elite receiving back. Okay, when you talk about satellite back with a little bit of size and a little bit of pop, that's Kenny G, the new Kenny G, because uh, Kenny Galladay broke my heart as a Lions fan. However. When you talk about a ball coming out in two seconds, he hasn't even stepped to the left yet. I mean, there's not enough time. When I'm looking, I'm looking for a guy that's going to buy time and then dump it down, like an Aaron Rodgers-esque, where he's mobile enough, but you know he's looking to get the ball out of his hands. He's not looking to take off. So anywhere between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a little too mobile. Aaron Rodgers is just right. And then you can drop it down. I mean, you, you look at the Philip Rivers and the Tom Brady's of the world that just want to get it out of their hands before they get hit in the mouth. So that's where I want them. So in Pittsburgh, with a a O that is aging out, with their getting the band back together to give it one more run before they absolutely try and rebuild or retool, whatever they want to call it. And with Anthony McFarlane, who we have absolutely skimmed over as a as a staff out here at the, at the Ball staff, um, I don't want it. I don't want any piece of it. I don't know he's better than Anthony McFarlane. I believe he is. I I don't know he's better than Benny Snell. I believe he is. I also know that Benny Snell will smack you in the mouth and Anthony McFarlane will run away from you. So where does Kenny G actually fit in? Like we're looking at landing spots. That second round draft capital will keep him on my list and he will be somebody that I almost assuredly overdraft because I'll take him at the 204 and above. Um, or, or later, 204 or four later. But I think someone's going to take him in the first round, or we're looking at like a Keyshawn Vaughn kind of situation, or Zach Wilson, or anybody other than Antonio Gibson after you get past the big couple, right? So I don't like it.
0: All right, that's that's fair. I, I don't agree with that, but I think you bring up a lot of really good points. And Anthony, Anthony McFarlane is definitely someone we have to pay attention to. Uh, if they draft someone in the second, though, I'm, I'm less worried. Uh, Bradley. Chuba Hubbard to Atlanta in the fourth round. Does that push your buttons? Does that get you going? Does that get you grinding?
2: So it's tough because what I saw from Chuba Hubbard is that he struggles breaking tackles. So he needs to go to a specific scheme that uses that speed uh, that he has. And I don't see Atlanta using that. Uh, Now, we talked about opportunity a little bit earlier. He's going to get some opportunity in Atlanta, right? Brian Hill is not taking the bulk of those carries away from him. Uh, I just don't see that happening. So, The opportunity is going to be there for him to show out, but I worry that it is not a scheme fit for him. So uh, I don't know that I'm dropping him or moving him up in my rankings. He's going to stay about where he's at because of that opportunity, uh, but I'm definitely not in love with it.
1: I'll just tell you, man, as far as a Chubba fan, he's my RB4 and he's going to stay there, and this is exactly what I'm begging for. I was hoping it would be San Francisco in the third until they traded up to pick six, to, to pick three. And so now that's out of the box. Um, that's gone away. However, Chubba in Atlanta with Arthur Smith and Matt Ryan – With Julio and Ridley engaged, keeping him honest, Hayden Hurst does stretch the seam, even though I don't think he's a good receiving option. He's fast. He does push that linebacker into a weird spot. With Chubba, with enough receiving chops, that game-breaking ability, the agility behind the line of scrimmage, does he go down easy? In 2019, he sure as hell didn't. In 2020, he had some problems with his coaching staff. I don't know how bought in he was, and in six games, he still was solid as hell. I mean, if he had a full slate, we'd still be talking about 12, 1,300 yards, 20, 25 catches, he'd be fine. So Chubba is my RB4, and he's the guy on the rest of the list. We talked about somebody we want to pop. He's the guy that can pop, and you put him in Atlanta, and I'm, I'm going to overdraft the hell out of this kid. I like that. Speaking of someone who – I, had at
0: my, I have currently, as my running back for Trey Sermon, he finds himself in Jacksonville in the fourth round. And this, this broke my heart when I read this because I want Trey Sermon to get that opportunity that Chuba Hubbard's going to get. And what Trey Sermon's going to get is he's going to find his ass in a timeshare with not only the one and the only Jamestown Robinson. And yeah, you know, it makes sense that Urban Meyer is going to go lean on someone that he's a little familiar with, even though he didn't know Trey Sermon, he didn't get coached with Trey Sermon. But I, I think in the fourth round, it's not a strong enough draft capital where you can say, well, it's clearly that he's going to overtake James Robinson. And so this big burly running back that has a profile to be a workhorse back all of a sudden is now simply a one B to James Robinson or vice versa. I, with Trevor Lawrence, there may be something there, but I think it's at that position you have to drop him down from four to some of these other guys just simply because he's not going to have that opportunity to see, you know, that 16 or 23 touches that we really want to see when we're looking for running backs. Uh, Bradley, when we went through this, we went through this three times. Three. And every single time, just to make sure that Jamar Jefferson was not drafted, So through six rounds, Jamar Jefferson was undrafted. Why? Why (laughs) was he undrafted?
2: I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Uh, I mean, he does have some speed issues. He did have a a few injuries in college. But when you go and you watch what he did on tape, it was pretty solid. So it, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense to me. He blew up on the scene as a freshman. He had some injuries his sophomore year. He came back his junior year, had a decent junior year. When you watch the tape, he's a solid back. He gives you a little bit of everything. He's got good bounce. He's got good power, quickness. Um, I don't understand how an NFL team would not take him in in day three, right, with all of these other players that are coming off the board. If and I know you just got done talking about Trey Sermon, if Trey Sermon is getting drafted in the third round, Jamar Jefferson deserves to be drafted in the third round. I mean, it that to me, they're they're pretty damn close. Uh, I prefer Jamar Jefferson over Trey Sermon, uh, but it, it it shocked me just as much as you that we didn't see Jamar Jefferson on the list of, of draftees,
0: Bergie. If Jamar Jefferson found a draft home in this mock draft who would you replace him with
1: yeah so we got um sermon went in the fourth right i actually like serving more than jamar jefferson i mean he's got limited athleticism but yada 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 he played oklahoma state um he's got size to fill the role and somebody that got taken i gotta assume basically off their size to fill some sort of a garrett blunt role 2.0 is ramonde stevenson in the third went to tampa bay if you put Jamar Jefferson on, first of all, I don't want anybody in Tampa Bay. Like I didn't want anybody in New England. I mean, you got Fournette, you got Ronald Jones, you got Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't want any of them. So, um, Ramondre Stevenson going there would just be ideal because then maybe somebody will be hyped on the Tom Brady offense and they'll totally fall asleep on on the true talent and Jamar Jefferson. But if I could put him somewhere, just plug him into this draft in the third round to the Super Bowl champs, uh, that's exactly where you want him to go because that. Backfield is begging for somebody to just take it, just take it, be the best at everything. And Jamar is so good. He's not great in my book. I don't think he's somebody that, that should be drafted. I mean, you're talking late third or whatever. I'm going to take shots on wide receiver and try and get that wide receiver two or three. Cause they score more points. I get that running back two and three are more coveted. I just need points. So, uh, but if he goes to Tampa and he has an opportunity to win the actual full workload, right? To actually get the rushes inside the red zone. You can have the 20s, Ronald Jones, to get the rushes inside the red zone and to be able to catch because we know playoff Lenny really can't catch that well. Um, I like that if if I just had to plug him in somewhere.
0: That's a. That's, that's disgusting. It is disgusting, and it makes me just so goddamn sad for Jamar Jefferson because I was so hyped on him, and then he came out and he was light at two oh six, and he ran a little slower than I wanted him to, and he's okay, he's fine, but I, 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 there's a there's not not lot of spots. yeah, there's there's not a lot of spots that like he's going to thrive in right now, unfortunately, but there is there is a spot where I think. Michael Carter came to thrive in. And I think this mock draft nailed it. They put Michael Carter to Buffalo in the third round. Bradley, when you see Michael Carter joining Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, are, are you enjoying that? Are you hating that? Do you think that he's good enough to elevate himself above the two of them? Or do you see him as Devin Singletary 2.0?
2: No, I I think he's going to elevate himself above the two of them, right? The whole reason they're drafting him, you know, in this mock is because, you know, Buffalo drafts Devin Singletary, he flops, they draft Zach Moss, he flops, and they say, we really need a secondary red zone option other than Josh Allen, because if we don't, they're just going to continue to scheme defenses around stopping Josh Allen. And as dynamic as that offense was last year and the ability to score points, having a running back that can do a little bit of everything like Mike Carter can, uh, I I think, helps that offense tremendously. Uh, And there's no question in my mind that he would come in on day one of camp and the the coaches would look and say, (laughs) all right, Singletary. You're, you're running back to Zach Moss, you're, you're RB3. You may not even be on the team anymore, right? Like, I, I, it, It's not even a question to me at that point. So,
1: Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on those Buffalo running backs. Um, Zach Moss, I'm in take lock here because I thought he was born for the NFL, and he, it looked like it was too much for him. It just did. And Devin Singletary, I didn't think he belonged at all. I was like, screw this kid. He tries so hard, and effort counts, especially on tape. You can tell that he is working hard to improve his game. Uh, so I don't love him in Buffalo. I actually love him in a, in a landing spot that I think we're going to talk about next here. But to your point, he fits in as a scat back. He's going to get the receiving work if there ever is any, and they throw the ball a bazillion times. The chances of Diggs getting 166 targets again, is probably going down, right? So they're going to have to dump it off. John Brownlee's town. We love Gabriel Davis. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders, but there's going to have to be that underneath outlet kind of, guy and as much as josh allen loves to run the ball he didn't really in college that's why it shocked me when he all of a sudden is scoring seven nine touchdowns on the ground uh his ability to rush it in but when you're in between the 20s michael carter could absolutely get those dump offs could get that kind of scat back work and because we don't believe in either one of the workhorses in front of him, like if it is too much for zach moss and devin singletary just straight up doesn't cut it a little undersized a little slow carter could just take it and an elite offense and that what gets me is because I have a different landing spot. I have a player I like more, but that third round draft capital, like he's going to play. He is not a gunner. He is going to play. So,
0: so it seems like with our new landing spots for our team in this tier, we will go Chuba Hubbard, Trey Sermon, Kenny Gainwell, Michael Carter and Jamar Jefferson. Do you guys think that's a pretty fair breakdown or would you guys move Carter up above anybody?
1: No, I think that's I think that's fair. I think him and Kenny G yep. are similar, except Kenny taken in the second. All right, so is a better offense. So
0: yeah, I I like that. So let's let's go. We have another tier of guys. Let's go and choose which guy we we liked the best landing spot wise, and then also Berkey. I'm curious to see where you want Carter to go if Buffalo wasn't the one. So why don't you start us off? Who 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 are you taking out of our next set of guys here, and where did where do you want Carter to end up?
1: Well, now we're dipping in the sixth round. Uh, Javian Hawkins, who's i am a big fan of. Okay, he's right there with Michael Carter for me. Uh, he goes to Green Bay in the sixth. The fact that it's the sixth round kills your draft capital. It's fucking sixth round. This guy is a special teams gunner. He is a punt returner. He is trying to make the team. He is not locked in like the third round would be. Uh, but if you—this is why I wanted Carter to work here. You got that Jamal Williams type role. Dylan ain't taking it. Aaron Jones plays 60% of the snaps, and they want to run the ball with him, right? He's dominant, right? They just paid him, right? He's going to get work, right? Okay, so who is going to fill the Jamal Williams role? It's not Dylan. It's not. Javian Hawkins, past pro, is, is better than expected. He has such limited opportunities that it blows my mind when he just absolutely whiffs. Okay. And on the, on the flip side, when he finally gets there, it feels to me like where the hell you been, kid, but he had Cunningham in the backfield and you don't even know where the hell the quarterback is. That kid is so squirrely. He gets the ball. He immediately starts juking. There's nobody in the backfield, man. He just immediately starts doing his shoulder thing. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, so his, from what I see on film, my own personal thing, and I'm sure I'll be very contrary. And his pass protection is all right for 190 to 195 pound running back. He's is Game-breaking ability is undeniable. His highlight reel rivals anyone, period, period, at Louisville on a team that's offense was stagnant at his best. He can't really get enough receptions because Cunningham is out there doing whatever the hell a a 15-year-old kid in an 18-year-old kid's body would do. I mean, he's trying to play Madden. And so Hawkins in Green Bay with a real opportunity, you know the offense is going to score touchdowns. You know he can earn a role. Aaron, Aaron Jones is a problem. Dylan is a problem, but I don't think it hurts Hawkins for his particular skill set. And this is why I wanted to flip him in Carter because you put Michael Carter in here and you guys would be all about it. Right. Because we know he can catch the ball. JV and Hawkins is a discounted Michael Carter for me. So I love this spot.
0: Bradley, which spot you taking?
2: Yeah, so. Uh, nobody's going to like Khalil Herbert in New York, right, with Saquon there. So I- I'm going to go with Demetric Feldman in Kansas City. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins is out of town. Uh, they're looking for a guy who can fill multiple roles. You know, a lot of people are hoping that Mikel Harmon kind of kind of transforms into what people thought he was going to be. You know, a little bit of relief now that that. Uh, uh, um, damn it, uh, not. Who's
1: the running back? Damian Williams just left. I'm literally typing it for you, my man.
2: I kept wanting to say Darrell Williams, and I knew I was wrong. So Damian Williams is now out of town. They need somebody to help spell Clyde, maybe take some passing work. And and Demetrik Felton is kind of this hybrid kind of player, right? He can play multiple positions. And I think Andy Reid is going to find ways to utilize that uh, skill set. So I, I really like that. Uh, as far as Michael Carter's concerned, you know, Berkey, you kind of mentioned his pass catching prowess and and where we're at with that. I would love to see him in New England. I think that's a good spot for him to kind of take over that James White type of role, right? Something like that
1: returned
2: to New England, so they re signed. He's still 29 years old, right? He's not a young. He's the quarterback in New Um, England okay what's that got to do with anything there uh, are dump downs I, that,
1: with cam newton james white so, and his role are gone you won him in so, tampa bay so who was the quarterback
2: in uh carolina are you gonna try and, and compare with our... anyone to christian
1: mccaffrey no, 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 and the no, no, fact no, that no, you no. can you can oh, pitch it to christian mccaffrey from two question. inches away uh who was the who quarterback there the i think it was McCaffrey kyle Allen.
2: two years ago two years ago i think it was kyle allen so I'm gonna go. You think it was it wasn't Cam Newton two years ago? No, I'm when he no, was as RB sure was one Miami. season. So if Cam Newton can produce a hundred and some odd targets for a running back in Carolina,
0: I think I'm you're him.
2: gonna look at an injury riddled him. season last year and say that because he was injured and because of that he can't throw because he's
1: injured because he's not good. Times. dude. And the he check can't downs the aren't there. That is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. That Chris is- McCaffrey had like 144 targets, to I mean, prove it, your point. Okay, I mean, To it, prove your point, he did have more targets than you want to I, give I mean, it, credit it. to. But New England is not a landing spot for a scat back.
0: When you talk nonsense on this podcast, you get muted, goddammit. That's how this works. And Bradley, you talking nonsense. Okay, we're going to get back on track. We're (laughs) reeling this shit back in. You heard? I want to talk about Kylan Hill in Denver. Uh, They took him uh, in the fourth round, I believe. Fifth round. And Denver's that role behind Melvin Gordon's wide freaking open. And Kylan Hill's main bread and butter in Mississippi State was being a pass-catching back. He was the one and the only like main guy. And he was able to really, really get it going and really able to I, – I liked, I liked what he was able to do, and I think that he's going to be a really good substitute after Melvin Gordon, and I think he's going to be a really good change of pace back. He's someone that I really enjoy – at that position there you guys are doing all sorts of weird shit on the camera
1: so what do you want to say oh we're just messing with you i'm sorry uh to your point though denver what brit we missed you you with all your superstar about. guests with all your superstar guests with all your renewed followers with your badass graphics the video you're dropping you've leveled up like mario eating a mushroom but let's talk about denver okay and the role behind Melvin Gordon, right? Wait, does anybody not love Philip Lindsay? Okay, crickets. Philip Lindsay's undrafted. We got a guy that's drafted in that same kind of offense. I can't stand the coach. I think he's going to ruin the quarterback, right? But in the same mock, we do have a rushing quarterback go there. We do have increased RPOs. We don't expect him to take over immediately. We expect it to be year two. So if whoever they draft can carve out enough of a role, like Philip Lindsay did. And have somewhere in the realm of possibility of getting a thousand yards. We're talking about a guy that is very, very fantasy relevant, right? Yeah.
0: I I, I think I think he's got even in a six-round draft capital, you're not gonna have to spend a lot of value for him. So it makes him just extraordinarily attractive from a a rookie draft standpoint yeah where are you gonna
1: take him in a rookie draft Britt, Put to put you on the spot that's okay um i think
0: if he lands in denver in the sixth round and it's just him and it's mike boone and it's melvin gordon i feel i feel comfortable taking him late second early third uh i, I don't think i'd go before 210 though i i'd 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 want him to fall in like that 301 to 303 range i'd be really comfortable i'd be excited i'd be excited about that for him just because I I don't know I don't know what who else is going to offer that potential upside because Melvin Gordon hasn't always been the um, most glowing statue of health and so Kylan Hill does have weight at two ten to potentially come in and kind of help relieve that and be a bell cow for a couple games so I, I think through, I think early third very late second is a is a really good round for him.
2: Yeah, I, I hate it. I I, I hate it. I, I mean, y- you think about the role that Philip Lindsay filled last year when healthy. It was not a role that you wanted anywhere close to your fantasy team. He had 500 yards, one touchdown, and seven catches.
1: Yeah, how many catches? He doesn't
2: get the goal line work. Seven. Oh, oh God, man. are we going back to? About
1: oh, circle it back. The vultures are out, people. Jesus
2: Christ. You guys are just out to get me today. Just out to get me. I'm eating my pretzels. I'm drinking my three Floyd's beer. I'm trying to enjoy time with my fellas. And you guys are making me love it.
1: If Even there's any professional podcasters out there that aren't eating pretzels while they're trying to talk, you just can you just send us a link? Hey, we'll just put you the Zoom we're not link professional. is out.
0: <laughs> No, we, we are fair. professional, and we're professional because we're eating pretzels while we're talking, and we're in a basement. We're, record- we're and recording, and we have sparkly shit behind eyes, us, dude. and yeah, we have so, Mickey oh, yeah. Mouse ears going.
1: We're oh, professional. We yeah, can't wait till we can just sit at a bar like Cheers and just pull yeah. up the last three stools at the end of the bar and just put the video camera and mics in front of us and just do it there because like the, the beer nuts and the pretzels are free. They come with the beer. So, one <laughs> day, right. my friends, yeah. one day it'll be glorious. So
2: let's go ahead. And I'm gonna get us back on track here. Uh, I don't. You know what? Never mind. I don't on, no, know. Re-listen, Bradley. Re-listen. Re-list back no. in
0: because we are it, so far out. I don't even know where to go. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, it, It's just everybody talked about. You know, we like Philip Lindsay. Well, yeah, we like Philip Lindsay when he was the lead back. He's no longer going to be the lead back. So it, you're looking at a guy who's going to get limited work. Melvin Gordon is the red zone guy. That's that's where he he eats. That's where he gets you fantasy points. So Kylan Hill is going to be a change of pace relief back in a yeah. very similar role to what Philip Lindsay had last year, which is not like I said, is not something you want on your team right now. No, I agree. Now, if you project no. him to be the starter, then then maybe. But well, I don't then... know that I project him to take that starting role because I no. believe Melvin Gordon is there next year now as well.
0: Yeah, I think they have Melvin Gordon through 2022. But I just after like you know after the early second round, you're just looking for guys that have value, and I think Colin Hill has that value. And I'm not sure that Philip Lindsay's not catching balls is less because the coaching staff didn't trust Philip Lindsay than they're trying to, or or if it was prioritizing the pass catching to go to Melvin Gordon. And so Kylan Hill's got the size. If I, if I remember correctly, he tested pretty well at his pro day. He, it wasn't so bad that I was like, dear God, Kylan, what are you doing? So I, I think in the sixth round, he, he, he's someone that I'm willing to take a shot on and I want on my roster because he's not one of those guys that are like a blaring sound, like, oh my God, this guy's got so much opportunity. He's one of those sneaky guys, right? He's one of those guys that you can throw on your team that may not do a whole lot. He can definitely be a bi-week, bi-week, bi-week replacement filler. And then if Melvin Gordon goes down, not only has his value skyrocketed, but then he's giving you serviceable weeks. So then you take that early third, You've packaged that with another third. You flip them up into a second. If you're lucky, you can package it into something more. So I, that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for those later guys in my rookie drafts. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But I like that. I like that finding guys that have the value you can flip for and then utilize, like taking a building block on part A and building it up piece by piece based on value selling into where you can get a high second late first round pick in the future because that's how you stay ahead of the curve in dynasty. So Bradley, Yeah, we're we we're shit out of time in terms of wide receivers and we haven't even fucking touched on them. So how do you want to handle this? Do you want to go down and you want to jump through wide receivers?
2: No, we don't want to we don't want to shorten anybody. No, we I, don't want to. I think we anybody. do another fucking show. I think right? we do another fucking so, show. Fuck yeah! We give the people what they want. Give we're the gonna people give the people what they want.
0: This wide receiver class—they want to
2: hear you mute me more.
0: They do. Well, if you keep talking this <laughs> wildness, I'm gonna. I, I've I've got uh, my mute button uh, loose. It's loose and it's rather to fly uh, out. I will be anybody. And I'll ridiculous. be myself. I'm you in muted myself right me now. In a I'm, good
2: fucking point. I had a good fucking point, and you muted my ass.
0: Your point was ridiculous, and I loved you for it, God damn it.
2: My so, only point is that Cam Newton will check the ball down. Just because he didn't do it last year doesn't mean that he won't do it. That's all.
0: Moving I on, think before I, I get I, muted again. And I think that that <laughs> is just a bizarre process because they have so many people already in that backfield. But, hey, that's okay. That's all right. And that's why we have all, the do. three of us and on. And they all suck. They do. They all suck. And that's they what the heck we have the three suck. of us on is because we are the three most like-minded yet different philosophically strategizing people you can ever find. And like it, it just it brings it yep. uh, brings our approach a very holistic approach. All right, now that we've been... <laughs> 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 oh that was good. Now that we've exhausted that our running backs, now that Berkey has interrupted me. Let's dive into the bread and butter of this class. Let's dive into the wide receivers. And what's what we're going to do for you. We're going to go break down our top tier. And then we're going to choose our top three wide receivers after that and our bottom three wide receivers after that and why we like them. And the best part about it is nobody can tell you you're wrong. Maybe. We'll have to pick around and see what's happening. So, first wide receiver off the board. Jamar Chase in Miami. Pick six. Berkey. Do you love this, or are you worried about him having, a bat- having to battle for opportunity and targets from Parker, from Preston, from Gaseki and
1: from Will Fuller? No, I love it. I love it. I couldn't love it more. I could not love it anymore. We saw Burrow get Higgins, right? We saw two guys competing against each other end up on the same team. Now we're going to get Tua, and he's going to go out there and get Chase. Anybody that... Re- we're not cutting that right? I'm the gunslinger thing or should I just redo it? Redo it. Anybody that doesn't think that Tua Tungavaloa is a gunslinger has not been paying attention. okay? Coming out as a freshman at halftime and taking over that national title game where he has to reinvent the wheel at Alabama. Nick Saban wants to go out there and get a left guard and a fullback and win football games. Okay, and at halftime with the quarterback that just does not lose games at halftime, he goes out there and puts a freshman in and the freshman's like, screw it. Everybody run deep posts and watch me win the game. And he does. Okay, as a sophomore, we saw him do similar things as a junior. He breaks his hip. He comes in as a rookie, goes to Miami. We saw him in and out of the lineup. He backs up fits. Then he's the starter. He gets pulled a couple of times. He looked like a guy that was thrown against air. Constantly, and is now trying to adjust to not only stiffer competition, but the speed of the game after being away from it for so while So, we saw CD Lamb go to Dallas, and people wanted to fade that due to competition. We saw CD Lamb play 97% of his snaps in the slot. We put Parker out wide. We put Fuller at the Y. I'm so, uh, sorry. We put Fuller at the Z and had Fuller go deep. And we put Jamar Chase in the slot. In the slot where we saw Lynn Bowden Jr. be relevant down the stretch, this man is going to eat. We talk about slot corners, linebackers, and safeties. I mean, Jamar Chase needs to skip breakfast on Sundays because the man is going to eat, okay? There's no reason why him connected to Tua Valoa is nothing short of absolute magic. And from a person coming into the draft, is he, he's in a tier all by himself. There might be three, four, five tiers below him. A guy that is a surefire pro, uh, prospect, going to a nice offense with great opportunity and a growing scheme. I want as much as Jamar Chase as I can get.
0: Bradley, I know that you are a little lower on Chase than both of us, so. Sell me why Devonta Smith in Detroit is a better landing spot than Jamar Chase in Miami. Sell me. Baby. I mean,
2: he's a better wide, he's a better wide receiver.
0: Okay, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about landing spots now. Period. So we while, can talk about Devonta that. Go into it a little bit. He's why is Devonta Smith in a better so, position? So we'll
2: go a little bit. We'll go. We'll go more into it. Well, let's you, see. Jamar Chase once. has to fight with Devonta. <laughs> <laughs> Jamar Chase. You got Jamar Chase, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Mike Gesicki, Preston Williams, Najee Harris, who was mocked in, or I'm sorry, Travis Etienne, who was mocked in this draft as a pass catching running back. That's a lot of mouths to feed from one one offense. A lot of mouths to feed. So now okay, let's though, look at Detroit.
1: Chase is going to be eating the corners, so you don't have to feed him. He'll feed himself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. Now, so let's look at Devonta Smith in Detroit. Who's he fighting against? Crickets. All right, uh, those are crickets that you hear right now because there's fucking nobody, not a single person, right? Okay, so you got TJ. Hawkinson. I'll give you TJ. Maybe DeAndre Swift gets a few carries, A few catches. Devonta Smith is the alpha dog in Detroit, and there is nothing that's going to stop him. There is nobody who is a better wide receiver in this class than Devonta Smith. My personal opinion, there's a lot of opinions out there. We all have assholes, we all have opinions. But but the point is, there is nobody challenging him for, the, <laughs> for those for those receptions. And that's the kind of person that I want to see in Detroit with Jared Goff, who's just going to hyper-target somebody. It's it is inevitable that it's going to happen and devonta smith is always open and it's a really easy pass 20 yards down the field to a guy who's wide open Do i don't care if you're jared goff or mitch trubisky it doesn't matter Does so it
0: though? okay so you trust jared goff to sustain devonta smith you're okay he sustained with that.
2: robert woods and cooper cup
0: no uh for multiple years uh what's his fucking name uh McVeigh McVeigh sustained Robert Woods and Cooper. Oh, that's
1: rude. Jared Goff still threw the passes, made the reads, and ran. Jared Goff was getting. Who's the offensive coordinator in Detroit now?
0: Jared Goff yeah. was getting the information in his ear. All he had to do was watch it unfold because Sean McVeigh's a fucking fortune teller.
1: Let me look. All I'm Grant saying is Jared saying Goff... that think 160 pound wide receiver is the best wide receiver in the class. He's never going to get. Let me. He he's, he's he's reeling it out. Let me help him out. Who was the offensive coordinator in Detroit? Who made Justin Herbert an absolute superstar? Who made Eckler a star? Who made Keenan Allen so heavily targeted he was worth like five firsts through week five? Okay? That is Anthony Lynn. Who likes to get the ball to that guy on the deep crossing route? Jared Goff. Who's going to run those routes? Devonta Smith. Who's in his way? Perriman, Cephas, Tyrell Williams? No. Okay. So he is going to get put in a position because there's still wide receivers out there that they want to act like are actually on our team. I say our team. So th- those that don't know the, the new members, I am a uh, founding father of the Detroit Lions. They don't know it yet, but I bought a Jersey, I put my name on the back. I show up to the games. I'm part of the team. Okay. They won't let me in the hollow yet, but they'll catch up. But for, the, for those out there, they're going to put other wide receivers on the field that act like they're on the team. Right, which means you could put Smith wherever the hell you want him. So you move him to the X, you move him to the Z, you put him in the slot, you put him in motion, you give him those bubble screens, all that crap he got at high in in college. And nobody's better at running a shitty college type offense than Jared Goff. So, as much as I want to disagree with the man, his points are fairly valid.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the best spots for Devonta Smith because you want him in a position to be in alpha. And in Detroit, he can be an alpha. Which leads us to our third wide receiver in the first tier, which is Rashad Bateman. Finding his home all the way down in Nola. And Berkey, we talked about this, and you put it so well. Finding his way next to Michael Thomas sucking some coverage. Finding his way getting the ball from Mr. 30, 30 for 30 himself, Jameis Famous Winston. He is undersized, sure from what we're anticipating, but it doesn't take away what he did on the field as a college player with college NFL teammates. So Rashad Bateman in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara, with Jameis Winston, with Michael Thomas, he is the esteemed number two. They have been looking for this person in their system ever since they drafted Trey Quan Smith. Rashad Bateman's not only going to be able to slip right in, and alleviate some of Michael Tom- the issues of Michael Thomas. But he's going to give them another very solid number two option in that offense. And in due time, he will usurp Michael Thomas and take that number one role. This is a Julio-Calvin-Ridley position. You can make all the faces you want, but this is a Julio-Calvin-Ridley position in which Rashawn Bayman is going to get walked along and do his strut, get a little dancing, join, you know, the drum lines, and all the great things that New Orleans offers. And then he's going to take that role when Michael Thomas maxes out on his contract or decides he's done with the game. And to me, while he may not be my, I may have to drop him down from my two to my three. He is still someone that belongs in that first tier because damn it, he is going to eat. Objections. Your honor. I rest my case. <laughs> so let's jump let's jump to the next or the rest are tiers. bradley are you prepared to go first with the three players you like yeah for sure all right drop them who do you uh, like them and why
2: so so i'm going to start with you want me to do all three or just start with one and we'll rotate let's all right, do all so, three all right cool so i'm going to go with the first one as a shy smith my go-to guy if you've listened to any of our rotor ball Uh, uh, pods, I find a way to talk about this guy because not enough people are doing it. Uh, He had an excellent pro day, uh, showed the speed, the explosiveness, the quickness that you're looking for out of a slot-wide receiver. He dominated at the Senior Bowl, uh, and he was the alpha receiver. And when you look at the stat sheets, it's not going to look like he set the world on fire because He played at the University of South Carolina, but he showed that growth that you want to see. He was mocked to the New England Patriots in the third round, the third round. That's pretty solid draft capital for a slot wide receiver. And I am super excited for the opportunity that he's going to have with the fact that Nikhil Harry's not the answer. Uh, Damier Bird's not the answer. Uh, you know, their running back situation is a shit show. Cam Newton's going to have to throw the ball to somebody and shy Smith is going to be open running out of the slot position. So I love shy Smith out of the slot for the new England Patriots in the third round, my second receiver. I'm actually going back to new England as weird as it is. And I'm going to go with another guy He actually was second in the league or second in college in yardage. And that's going to be Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Mississippi. So when I talk about Elijah Moore, 1,200 yards, he had 1,200 yards in eight games. This guy was the Ole Miss Rebels offense. There was nothing else there. Do you know who the quarterback was? Because I couldn't tell you the name right? The guy's just able to get it done. He's always open. He's that Debo Samuel type player, just a little bit smaller frame. He's not that 210, 212 that Debo is. He's playing around that 180 frame, 185. But his speed, his quickness, his yards after the catch, he can do all of those things also. So when you look at him and his potential in a short passing offense, I really like it. So Elijah Moore is my second one. My third one, is a guy that in our mock I took him in the third round and I expected him to be undrafted and in this mock again guy that's taken in the third round and that's going to be Marquez Stevenson wide receiver out of Houston he's going mocked to the New York Jets the New York Jets do not have a burner they have Denzel Mims a true alpha framed wide receiver they have Jamison Crowder a slot-wide receiver, very solid slot-wide receiver. And then they add Marquez Stevenson, who is that burner speed guy, that guy that can stretch the field a little bit, stretch it out for Jamison Crowder, take that the safety off the top for Denzel Mims to have single coverage. I really like that portion of the offense to kind of be framed up. Uh, for Marquez Stevenson so I really like that spot because there's no one else to challenge him for those deep balls Uh, and for somebody that in rotor ball you can get for 500 bucks that's a hell of a landing spot and some hella draft capital so those are my three shy smith elijah moore and Marquez Stevenson
0: that's a good three those are three that I definitely looked into and three that I, I I enjoy quite a bit especially landing spot wise I'm gonna make my three real quick and easy here I'm gonna go Terrace Marshall Jr. out of Baltimore. I'm gonna go Tylen Wallace out of Washington, and then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go Nico Collins and the New York Giants. All right. Now let me break down why, I like Terrace Marshall with Baltimore. Initially, you're gonna see that, and you're gonna say, "Dear God, no! Stop it! I don't want it." But let me read you something. You know what? Do you know who's been Hollywood Brown has been missing? He's been missing a true one. You know what Terrace Marshall is? Terrace Marshall is a true one, 6'2", 210, two, and show that he can produce pro- and be productive in a loaded offense. And yes, the passing frequency is a concern. And the question whether or not Lamar Jackson's going to take the next step is a concern. However, I believe that Terrace Marshall is a good enough wide receiver and big enough that they're going to lean on him in, in situations where they need a pass catching back to, or a pass catcher to help extend the drive, that he is going to have that purpose and that value on that offense. With the upside of being someone that, you know, think of Des Bryant back in his heyday. I think Terrence Marshall can do that for the Baltimore Ravens, given the opportunity and given that Lamar Jackson is making that next step. Why do I like why do I like Tylan Wallace in Washington? Well, aside from the fact they don't have a quarterback that's worth a damn right now, and that's bound to change no matter what. He's going to be slaughtered in next outside next to uh, Terry McLaurin. And you know who's in the slot? Miss Slot's – I forgot his name right now. Why did I forget his name? Um, Sterling shit? Curtis Samuel. No, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel's in the slot. So you got Antonio Gibson running out back. You got Logan Thomas in the tight end slot. You got Curtis Samuel doing whatever the hell he likes to do, going out apeshit, just absolutely drawing crazy coverage. Terry McLaurin's dropping bombs, and Talon Wallace is just going to sit there and be such a solid contributor for that football team. This position, this spot makes so much sense because he is similar to Terry McLaurin, but not exactly the same. And I love this because it just makes. This is what the Washington football team needs to elevate their offense is a Tylan Wallace type player and Tylan Wallace being put in that position. It may limit his upside, sure, but I think that gives him such a solid floor and such a solid place that it makes me excited and it makes me ready to see what he's able to do, which leads me to Nico Collins. Now, Kenny Galladay, similar type prototype to Nico Collins, is in the Giants. But other than... Kenny Galdane, and Sterling Shepard. They have, um, what is his name? He is, um, I'm my brain's broken right now.
2: Darius Slayton.
0: Darius Slayton. Thank you, Darius Slayton. You know who's gonna step in for that role? Nico Collins is. I think Nico Collins is a better wide receiver day one than Darius Slayton will be ever in the NFL. And that may be wrong, but. Mark my words on that and haunt me on my Twitter DMs if that's the case. That's what I think. Nico Collins, Kenny Galladay, run on the sides, Sterling Shepard in the middle, Danny Dimes dropping dimes. Hopefully he can elevate himself and not trip running 80 yards. No offense. I don't think I could do it either. I like the upside Nico Collins offers. and I like the opportunity available in that offense. It just makes sense to me. Those are my three guys that I love. And I am absolutely gonna be pounding in my rookie drafts given the day. Yeah, that's phrasing. So you're welcome because wow. it is it is late. <laughs> it is late. Wow. And damn it. I'm gonna be pounding the table for them in my rookie drafts. Berkey, what three are you looking at? <laughs> All
1: right. So Nico Collins off the board, right? Shy Smith off the board, Stevenson off the board, Tylen Wallace off the board, Elijah Moore, right? Am I missing anybody? That's the guys, right? I like all of them. Uh, well, Terrace Marshall. Also. All of them are on my name. All, all of them are on my list. Terrace Marshall off the board. Whatever. Get rid of him. Stevenson <laughs> in the third. The the rollerball ball format is in it's just infuriating. And I had him and I had two to Atwell who goes in the second to Cleveland. And this is why it was draft capital. I'm just looking at five hundred dollar guys that I think will actually make a team and play a little bit. Something. Just give me something right? Because they had all these rules. You got to fill the whole line up. You can only have one quarterback. I tried to cheat. They wouldn't let me cheat. So these are the guys that I threw in there and I'm cool with. So let me talk about the guys that are left, right? Um, My first guy, sixth round pick, Amari Rogers to the San Francisco 49ers. You could not find an offense that fits any better to Amari Rogers than San Francisco. And that is probably why he fits in here on this Mock that we have mixed feelings about. I think we have mixed feelings about every every mock. Some of them we think that's absolute clickbait, that's absolute garbage. But this this mock when it gets late is just shit. Okay, but Amari Rogers to San Francisco makes absolute sense to me. Seth Williams, who I'm really high on, also goes to San Francisco. Except he goes in the third round. That's unrealistic. I don't really like it. I don't think he fits the offense. Amari Rogers does. My second pick in here is an ugly one. I got a prospect I don't even like on a team I don't even like in a situation that's muddled. That is Kadarius Toney. They're talking about trading Anthony Miller, right? We know what Darnell Mooney is. We know that Ellen Robinson is the target hound. We know that Andy Dalton is the quarterback and he's mediocre at best. However, he carries plenty of options for his other receivers. Like him as a quarterback in Fantasy, don't love it right? There's been years when I've rolled them out there. Like I've rolled out Derek Carr. Like I've rolled out Eli, Eli Manning. I mean, we all play redraft. We get ugly. We get, we get the nitty gritty. I rocked Mitch Trubisky multiple times last year in dynasty redraft and DFS hard. Okay. They all have their, their specific strengths and weaknesses from a week to week basis, but he does help his wide receivers. Kadarius Tony in the second round to fill that slot receiver now the slot receiver for Chicago has pretty much been Cohen, right? And Cohen was out there. We're just making it up last year. Nobody fit. So Derek Cohen, I don't think can keep healthy. He's five, six. He's not a big slice. Not what you want. Kadarius Tony with that kind of speed and athleticism and those shit ass hands with Andy Dalton, throw those, those limp wounded ducks out there. I still think with that second round draft capital, That can really work out. So we're talking about landing spots that raise people in your rankings. Tony now hits the list of somebody that I would actually draft as does Amari Rogers, whereas pre-mock or pre-NFL draft, which will happen, like I'm not going to take them. Okay. So I got one guy left. And I guess I'm going to get gross. I don't like anybody left. I think Jane Waddle to Philly, I think it ends him. I think Rondell Moore in the second to Tampa Bay. Not only is it completely unrealistic and not going to happen, on top of that, I do believe Antonio Brown will find his way back on that team, whether it's because he throws something off a balcony, is forced to only play for that team and move in with Tom Brady, or because they finally decide to pay him what he's worth. So I'm going to go with Dwayne Eskeridge in the fifth to Atlanta. I think Atlanta. Even if they take a quarterback, I think Matt Ryan's going to keep him at bay, kind of like Aaron Rodgers kept Jordan Love at bay. It's going to be different. Aaron Rodgers is better than Matt Ryan. Whoever they draft in Atlanta will be better than Jordan Love. However, Matt Ryan is a Hall of Fame quarterback in my book. Youngest to 30, 40, 50,000 yards. He will be the youngest to 60,000 yards. The only guy that's hot on his tail that will continue to break those records is Matthew Stafford. And both of those guys I don't think will be usurped by some Come in rookie in a team that is trying to win actual games. If Atlanta could just make one stop on fourth down, they would have been like seven and one. Instead, they were one and seven or whatever. Okay. They just absolutely went the other way. Everybody saw the game against Dallas where you can't even get a fucking onside. Somebody just jump at the ball. At least you'll knock it backwards and they'll have to get another five yards. What are you doing? Well, they have a coach now, right? The owner believes in Matt Ryan and I think Matt Ryan carries three wide receivers. We had Sanu last year. We had Russell Gage and this year I think we'll have Dwayne Eskridge. Okay. So you got Ridley and Julio, maybe Julio's out and there's an extra spot. Maybe Julio keeps it together. Ridley is a stone cold stud on the rise, man. 26, 27, 28 years old in the next three years, go get him. And somebody that can just feed off that much like Russell Gage did is Dwayne Eskridge. Now Russell Gage had the faith of the coaching staff. It's going to be tough to earn that with, with um, Arthur coming to town because it's a new staff. But because of that, it's a, it's a level playing field. He's two years younger. He's an old prospect, but he's two years younger. He's crazy fast. He's athletic as hell. And when I watched him at the senior bowl, and this is why I'm sold on Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan university from one of my hometowns, Kalamazoo, Michigan, is he won constantly. He, he won the hand fighting. They throw it under his hand, on, over his head, and he's too short and can't go get it, and there's no way that's going to be a pick, and he gave himself a shot to win it. And on other routes, he turned the guy absolutely around. Now, I know it's the senior bowl. Every single drill is set up to help you succeed, but he did that on a very real um, you know, platform, and I just continually think of Terry McLaurin and what made Terry good. Well, he never had a breakout. He was old coming out. So was Dwayne. Well, Terry played at Ohio State. They don't really use the, the passing options like that, but it is a pro-style offense. Well, we got Western Michigan, who doesn't really use him right. However, they do run a full route tree. He is kind of older. What's the thing that can set him apart is that killer speed.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking with us with the Daddy Daddy. Thank you for letting us ride underneath our underneath the Fantasy Football Affair. Appreciate everything you're doing there. All the boys there, we love you guys. Cannot wait to see what you're able to do at the, what is it? It's the conference, right? Down in Canton? Fantasy
1: Football Expo. Bradley, Fantasy kick Football us
0: off. Expo. Bradley, make it work. What do you got to say about it?
2: Yeah, so check it out on Twitter at the FF Expo. It's uh, August the 15th and 16th in Canton, Ohio. We'll be hosting this pretty little party the night before, right? So our host, Brian uh, Manganero, myself, Eric, is going to be there. Uh, we've got some other members of the team that are going to show up as well. Uh, we'll be looking good in our little uh, FF fair t-shirts and jerseys <laughs> and goodness. handing out some koozies and, and got shot girls going all over the place. So if you're a shot kind of person, that's the way to go. So, uh, you know, you can check it out again at the FF Expo on Twitter or the fantasy uh, the, the fantasy football expo, expo.com uh, website.
0: Also, if you guys, there's a rumor out there. Since you guys are listening to this, you deserved an old rumor. I heard that Berkey is going to be wearing a pink bunny suit. And we're neither going to confirm nor deny unless you're actually there. So you might as well go book your tickets now just to see Berkey and his ass in a pink little suit. Because quite honestly, what better use of your money is there than to see Berkey prance around? As a new Eastern Yeah.
1: Boat. And what better use of my time is there to show up at a main fantasy football expo and to be up there with some elite analysts to share my insight and try and grow our brand than to dress up in a giant bunny suit. I mean, I'm going to be very recognizable. Uh, I will take pictures. They are $5. I will sign them though. Bring your Polaroids. So you can shake it out, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a hell of a time. I cannot wait to connect with my own staff members, but I can't wait to connect with you, with the listeners, with the fans. Um, Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me I'm brilliant. Find a middle ground. I can't wait to talk out takes live and in person. It's going to be fun. Okay. It's going to be like, it's going to be like when you were a kid and you were, you were in second grade and they gave you 10 bucks to go to the, the school store. I don't know how old you guys are. And you're walking around with your, with your, your tassels and your, the little things that, Blowout and 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 your uh, pixie sticks and your ships in a bottle that are made out of plastic and you're picking out gifts for your mom and dad like the best days of your childhood is going to happen in Canton, Ohio of all places, August 15th and 16th, and I'm glad to be a part of it and can't wait to meet all you guys there.
0: Everybody, thank you so much. You know the spiel by now. Please go leave us a rate and a review. And if you do, go ahead and send either the three of us a screenshot of that and your rookie question, and we will answer it on our very next show. Please make it five stars and keep it nice because we're trying to make this thing popular. If you have any suggestions, let us know. You can find me on Twitter at the FF Sandman. If you're looking for any more Debbie content, you can go to YouTube, Debbie Deep Dive. Ber- Ber- Berkey, where can they find you?
1: yeah i just want to highlight you don't sleep on Britt sanders go follow him check out his youtube like it's it's worth a damn i'm at eric burkholder six on twitter hit me up for anything and everything man bradley that's your turn bradley wants a private oh, invitation sorry. <laughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> i am at ff bourbon dude on twitter
0: gentlemen ladies my friends our dear friends my listeners my audience our audience our listeners That's it. That's the show.
1: Peace.
0: Later.